Hey, I so appreciate Leroy McClure filling in for me last week. Did he do a great job? You all enjoy Leroy? Yeah. <laughs> Heather and Truett and I were uh, traveling between St. Louis and Joplin about that time, and Heather got her phone out, and we watched the whole service online while we were traveling there, so it was pretty cool to join you all online and see what God was doing here during that time. During this series, Storm Chasers, we've been looking at the lives of people who are facing storms, people who have been in the midst of it, in fact, are still going through it. We've been discovering something about God's purposes in the storm as well, what he does in a storm, where he is in a storm, and what changes us from people who fear the storm to people who chase the storm. Amen? So, you know, there's a lot of different types of storms, of course. Here in Texas, we're most familiar with rainstorms, thunderstorms, and the dreaded tornado, of course. Uh, every rare once in a while, we get what we call a snowstorm here, right? It doesn't happen much. Ice storms, we get more of those. But there's another storm that Texans sometimes have to uh, be concerned about, and it's a different type of storm. It's the hurricane. And a hurricane is different than any other storm. If it's a cold front blowing through or if it's a storm blowing through, we watch it on the radar and we see it move across our area. It comes and it hits and it moves on. But there's something about a hurricane that's a little different. It's really this massive storm that is moving. And as it moves, it's turning. And so those who are in the path of the hurricane, they get hit by it. And then as it moves and turns, they get hit by it again. And sometimes by it again as the fingers begin to stretch out of the storm. You know what I'm talking about. You've watched on the radar map this multiple event storm. Today you're going to meet a couple who have been and are still in the midst of a hurricane-like storm. It's not a single event. It's multiple events that come in waves. And what's interesting, we all know also from the hurricane on the map, we've watched the projections as the forecasters attempt to tell us where the path of the hurricane will go, what, what cities will be impacted by it. And we know that as the further the hurricane moves, that path seems to get wider and wider because they are uncertain of the path it will take. Could go west, could go east. They're not certain, so they create this cone, this path that it moves in. In fact, weather forecasters call it the cone of uncertainty. They're uncertain of the path. They're uncertain of which way it's going to go, and so in it you need to be prepared. As we walk with Christ, we can be certain that in this life there will be storms. There will be events that God will bring into our life to help us experience him in a way we never had before, to show us some things about his glory that we never could have experienced before. And what it leads us to is a place of faith, certainty, in the midst of uncertainty. That's a difficult spot. You've ever been in that spot where you weren't sure where the next paycheck is coming from? If you aren't sure of how the relationship conflict is going to be resolved. If you aren't sure about the next step, you live in this uncertainty. But in the midst of it, you hold to some certainties, right? You hold to some confidences, some beliefs about who God is and how he sees 
you. I want to show you a passage of Scripture before our family comes this morning. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul is writing to a group of people who are going through some storms themselves. They're in the face of some adversity, and he's writing to give them some hope. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, Therefore, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. In the midst of your storm, in the midst of the waves of storm coming your way, do not lose heart. Don't cast off your faith. Don't give up your hope. Stay focused because even though you may lose some outwardly, you are gaining some inwardly. Amen? The outward man, the physical, is perishing, but the inward is being renewed day by day. Apostle Paul goes on. He says, For our light affliction, insert the word storm, for our storm, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You're going through your storm, and if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in the immensity of it. But Scripture says, don't let that happen. Know this instead, that the storm, God's using the storm in you for an exceeding and eternal glory. He's showing you some things about himself that you would not have seen if you hadn't gone through the storm. He's stripping away some things that you've leaned on and trusted in and thought were true that you could not have had stripped away if you didn't go through the storm. So hold on in the storm because it's working a greater glory inwardly in you. He goes on and he says this, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not are eternal. Mm. It's so easy to get caught up in the storm and get distracted by the sounds, the sights, the wind, the rain, and miss God in it. And the Apostle Paul says, don't let that happen. Instead, no. God has a greater purpose, and he's showing you his glory. Now, there's no greater example of Scripture than lives that are changed and are being changed. So this morning, I want to introduce you to a couple who is a regular here at Vertical. If you haven't met them yet, you're going to have the privilege to this morning, and you'll be grateful that you did. Why don't you give a big hand this morning to Rob and Joyce Tarver. Y'all come on up. So, Rob and Joyce, um, introduce yourselves. Talk about your family just a little bit so we can all kind of get a footing for where we are, who you are, and what's going on in your life. Um, Rob, now it is. Uh, 
Roth and I both grew up in Oak Cliff, and we were high yeah, school yeah. sweethearts. So we've been married for 32 years. Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, That's good. That's a big deal. We have five children. Our oldest is Brittany. Uh, she is married, and she and her husband live in Rowlett. Um, he's leading worship there this morning, or they would be with us this morning. Um, then next is our daughter, Alyssa, who's here this morning with her brand-new husband of almost a month, Jonathan. Yeah. We've been blessed with two awesome, incredible son-in-laws. Um, then our next two are Joshua and Hannah. They're both 14. And then we have Judah is four. Um, we were a foster family for about 14 years, and um, out of the 45 kids that came through our home, um, God left three of them with us um, as their forever family, um, and we've been forever changed because of them. Very good. Um, All right, so you came here from Oak Cliff, yeah, so where do you live now, and how long have you been in this area specifically? Uh, we live in Ovilla, just down the road, down Cockrell Hill, and we've been here for about 28 years. Okay, all right. And what do you both do for uh, your day, your living, your life? What happens at the Tarver home every day? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of uh, what we do for uh, a job, um, I'm a nurse at an Alzheimer's daycare facility. Okay, and Rob? Don't know how to use the microphone. I'm a uh, physical therapist at Medical City. Okay, very good. So your storm begins, at least the one we're talking about today, begins February 2017. Rob, you go to visit the doctor. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I was um, actually chasing another symptom, having some low testosterone symptoms and... Um, Joyce said, well, why don't you go have your blood drawn? And I obeyed. And um, <laughs> the test came back that it was really low. And the, but the doctor said, I don't, I don't treat that. And I said, well, what do we do about that? He said, you got to go see the urologist. I go see the urologist. He said, we can't treat it. Your, your prostate levels are too high. And I said, well, I just had it checked. And he said, well, let's check it again. He checked it again. He said, it's even higher. I said, well, wh what do we do about that? He said, well, we need to have a biopsy. And I'm like, really? He said, yeah, I don't think it's anything, but let's just check it out. So that led to the biopsy, um, which led to me asking him casually, how long do we have to wait for those results? And he said, oh, I bet they're in now. He, we just sat down at the computer. He pulls it up, and, and oh, early, heck, damn it. Um, <laughs> uh, he just goes, oh, man, I... I was not expecting that. And I'm like, what were you not expecting? Um, and he just turned the computer screen, and there it is, adenocarcinoma. Um, so I said, well, what do we do about that? He said, well, you need to have your prostate out, but I don't do that. Um, so, but I know a guy. I've got a guy. Um, but you've got to wait six weeks. Um, and that's when the storm rapidly, you know, heightened the waiting part. Yeah. So what's going through your mind and heart during all of that? That's unexpected yeah. news, storm you weren't counting on. Right. Yeah, so I, I looked at my journal last night, um, and I just, 
I can't, this was raw, okay, so this, <laughs> this was a year ago. Um, I bounced between fear and faith. Um, it was almost, um, almost a schizophrenic type. One day, one afternoon, I'm okay. One afternoon, I'm not okay. One minute, I'm okay. One, you know. So the fear part, um, I said I was frustrated because I was getting feelings like that if you have God in your life, you should always be happy. It seems to be no room for fear, anxiety, doubt, despair, sadness. But that's where I am. I'm afraid. I'm anxious. I'm angry. I'm numb. I'm worried. I'm depressed. I'm fearful. Oh, my soul, God, please be near. And then the next page, I said, you know, in this waiting period, I want to be ready. I want to be ready physically and spiritually, not sure how to prepare emotionally. I'm going to do what I can to be ready. And I will do what I can with seeking him to be as near as I can to him. And then he led me to Psalm 73 that says, yet I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. And then he goes on and says, um, but as for me, it is good uh, to be near God. Yeah. Yep. So, Joyce, this is a surprise to you as well. How are you processing all of this? Um, I think maybe there was a bit of denial of the reality. Of course, hindsight, we can see what the reality was. Um, I, I recall writing at the time, um, this must have been about, about the time that we got the, the diagnosis, and my, my thought was at that time, when trials come, don't try to figure out the how, what, or when of things working out. Focus on who has already worked it out. And... So that's kind of where I was, was we're, we're going to wait and see. We're going to have right. the facts before we, we worry. So Okay. It's early in the process. It's early in the process, and he's young, and there's just no way that could be what this is. Yeah. yeah. So now we're in this period of waiting, six weeks for surgery. It's about the time last year that we, as a church, are going through the Beach Faith series, if you remember that. And uh, God encourages you as you wait. Talk about that for just a minute, Rob. Yeah, so leading up to that, leading up to the surgery, the, uh, all the emotions, and, and there's, a, there's a skywalk that I go through every day, and every day there was a, uh, a, a cardinal that just kept crashing into the wall, and, and we would notice it for a long time, and people were like, have you seen that crazy bird? I'm like, yeah, it's the oddest thing, you know, is he chasing bugs, or why is it that he see the other bird coming his way, you know? And um, in the retrospect, that, that was God saying, uh, let me in. Um, let me in. You're going to need me inside you, and there are things in your life that are putting up a barrier. Um, and so what started as a, as a cardinal, then we went through surgery, and after surgery, we got the results, and we're good. So that's when we went to the beach because you told us to. And so <laughs> we... Exactly. We, yeah. And so we're there at the beach and we were actually rejoicing because everything was done. We had good results from the surgery and it was a time of refreshing. But what I didn't know, it was God saying, now I need to be bigger than a bird for you. 
I need you to see how enormous this ocean is. It's Galveston, okay? So how enormous that is, um, because your need for me is going to get there. Yeah. So that was him healing me, and I didn't even know it. Yeah. So uh, you told me about another experience after the surgery, when it's very painful and difficult, and, and, and your son, uh, Judah, uh, becomes another object lesson for you to be a reminder of God's presence. Talk about that for just a moment. Yeah, so I wrote two events happened yesterday. This is at, right after surgery, and, and physically I'm, I'm hurting um, mentally, yeah. And so um, Judah and Hannah were going to go to the zoo with their, their grandmother, and he came up to me and said, Dad, are you going? I said, no, Judah, I, I, I can't. He said, you, you still have owies? And I'm like, yeah. And he said, well, I'll, if you hold my hand, I'll help you walk. And I said, well, I can't. Um, so while we're standing at the door waiting for uh, the grandmother to show up, I'm holding his hand, and he looks at me, and he goes, Daddy, don't. I said, Daddy, don't let go of my hand. And that was God yeah. saying, um, I'll get you through it. Um, it's going to be a struggle, but don't let go of my hand. Um, so he's, he's speaking through birds. He's speaking through oceans. He's speaking through four-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. Can I interject something sure. back on the beach, Faith? Um, I think the whole premise of your series was rest in what Christ has already done for us. Yes. And so we were just going to rest in and waiting on him. You know, we'd had the surgery and um, needed to wait and see. So we were just going to rest in the fact that whatever it was, God was there. He was with us and for us. Um, some of the notes that I had written, these are going to be quotes from you. Mm. Um, Beach faith rests and believes with confidence in what is not seen. God is looking for those who will believe in spite of what they see so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. God leads us to places of greater beach faith so that he can prepare us for greater battle faith. And little did we know how prophetic that almost was because he had us in a place where we were resting in the confidence that he was in control. Right. Um, but little did we know that he was preparing us for the battle that was ahead. And yeah. so we had to have that foundation of knowing that he's, he's got it, um, so that when we were really hit with the hard stuff, which is coming up, um, we were a little more prepared. <clears throat> so it's almost like the span of last year, the beach faith, and now mm -hmm. here a year later, we're in the storm, storm and the battle chaser. faith. Yeah, it's true. So you have the surgery. They come to you with results? Yeah, the, oh, the doctor said, um, said, these are the best results you could ever hope for. He said, uh, the pathology came back and, and everything's clear. And he said, at this point, you just, um, you just follow up every three months. It's good news. It's good news. And so I came here and I stood right there and I proclaimed to the church that I was cancer-free. 
And I, I had written um, from Psalm 107, 29. He calmed the raging storm, and the waves became quiet. We finally got biopsy results. The cancer was contained in the prostate. Now we can focus on his healing from the surgery, free from the storm of fear and uncertainty. Then it comes time for the three-month checkup, right? Right. Yeah, so um, went in, had that blood drawn, and... Um, I went in to see the doctor, and he handed me this piece of paper, and it said 0.2, and I said, thankful. I, I am so thankful. I was worried that that was going to be high. And I said, you know, so I'm ready. What do we do now? And he said, well, he, I now forget what he said because it was not a, the right thing for him to say. So I went home, and I looked at the piece of paper, and in the in the the print over to the right hand of the number, it said 0.2 is considered bio, biochemical recurrence. So I called him back the next day and I said, um, that number wasn't as good as we thought it was, was it? He goes, no. And he said, we need to redraw it. And that, that's where the storm started to circle back around. So we redrew it and he sent me a text, said 0.2, you need to come see me, which is never good. <laughs> that's never good yeah. yeah so he recommends uh another layer of treatment at this yeah. point so talk about that he said you need to have radiation treatments um and so he sent it to a radiation oncologist and he said um yeah he said you need to have 39 treatments and that's an enormous number um and um so that whole process of uh, they, I won't go into extreme details, but they take you and they lay you in a room and then they get you all set up and then they bug out because radiation's coming and they just shut this door that is massive. And you're just kind of in there by yourself. Um, so that, that was a daily thing for eight weeks. Wow. And then on top of that, they recommend something else to help with the healing process. Mm -hmm. yeah, the Talk story, about that. yeah, the story kept getting bigger. They... They would call me in. They said, you know, the studies show that in conjunction with radiation, you're going to have the best shot if you have hormone injection. Like, all right. And he said, well, the, the hormone injection basically, not basically, it, it depletes your testosterone because your testosterone feeds the prostate cell. So he said, we want to start that. So they give me one shot that lasts six months huge so <laughs> um yeah so i started that can we talk about that yeah please yeah, uh, so because i know there's there's side effects yeah, with that the side effects I, the, the radiation was just fatiguing um uh but then the the hormone changes have have been harder um harder than the surgery harder than the radiation um it has caused um I have hot flashes all day long. I have night sweats. I haven't slept probably more than two hours straight in the past three and a half months. Um, it causes mood instability. Um, low testosterone will make you angry. No testosterone makes you weepy. <laughs> so, um, and it, it just causes a lot and a lot of stress. and. and not all of it's, you know, visible. 
it's all in between your ears. Yeah. And it has uh, an effect on everything. The yeah. way you view Yeah, just work, about every relationship I've got. The way you relate to your wife, your children. Yep. Yeah, our um, intimacy is gone. Um, frustration, depression, isolation, desire is, is present. Um, short-tempered. No tempered, <laughs> um, just a joy to be around. Yeah. Yeah. So, Joyce, tell us what it's like now. Um, what's going through your mind? You're watching uh, what Rob's going through. Um, of course, first of all, it's it's hard to see um, things taken away from him that were his essence, um, his strength and stamina. He's a marathon runner and. Um, can't run. Um, just the fatigue. Uh, he still has to work full time. Um, we're, we're kind of stuck in that situation. And so when he comes home, there's just this much left for the kids. And I see him trying really hard um, to push past um, his fatigue and be present for the kids. Um, and then there's just not much left um, for our marriage, and I, I have to understand that. I have to know that he um, he can't help it. It's, yeah. a, it's it's what it is. It's a result of the cancer, but it, it's still hard because it's changed um, the dynamics of our relationship, um, <clears throat> and have to kind of put aside my thoughts and feelings because it's, it's about him. There's another factor in this, in that this storm has, has cycled around multiple times now, because you have this, this dynamic where you've asked the church to pray for you, and there's an answer, and then there's another need. And you ask the church to pray again, there's an answer, and there's a seeming need, but then you ask again. What's that like for you, Joyce, um, it coming back around again and again? Um, I was getting to the point where I just, I don't want to tell anyone else the next step because it's almost like a, I love Lucy and her ridiculous stories and explanations <laughs> about stuff like, now what do they have wrong? Yeah. Um, and I, I realized that that's not going to be healthy for us. And ultimately, people need to know the whole story in order for us to glorify him and to show what he's done in this whole story they need to see each step of the way. Um, and I think as we've seen things progress more and more and the story's getting more and more difficult and kind of how I've processed all this is, um, the, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but this is what's coming right now. Go ahead. Um, each time we thought that he was free and clear and we've celebrated. And for some reason... Um, I think I am jumping ahead. It's all right. Go ahead. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we got the, can I just tell the part about where we currently are? So, sorry, I missed sure. my notes right here. Um, we uh, waited till after Brittany's wedding to get uh, the blood draw to see if the radiation was effective. Which is just two weeks ago. Right. 
sorry. Sorry, Lisa. Um, <laughs> okay. And Rob kind of has a connection with the, the urologist where he's kind of able to text and get messages kind of, you know, informally. And he sent him a message saying, you know, I'm really anxious. Can you tell me what the blood draw result was? And the doctor just puts zero on the response. And so we're like, wow. And we're, we're telling everybody it's zero, which to me and to us means it's, it's gone. It's not there. Right. Um, and he goes to see him for his formal visit in the office and says, you want to see the piece of paper? And Rob's like, sure, I want to frame it and all. And, and it's not zero. Um, and that kind of set us back, was confusing. We still don't understand why. But um, so Rob scheduled an appointment with the oncologist um, to kind of explain what is this about. And basically from that meeting, um, we figured out that this isn't gone and it's not going to be gone. This is something that is going to be with him the rest of his life. Um, and so my thoughts go towards um, sadness. Um, I've not ever gotten angry. I've not questioned God in any of this. Um, but where I am now is sadness because... We have a four-year-old. We've got a grandbaby on the way. Oh, my goodness, I forgot to tell that part, I think. We have our first grandchild coming in November. And I know that we're not promised tomorrow, but the reality is we all dream and hope for living long and seeing our children grow up and seeing our grandchildren and knowing that we'll be around for them. And... Um, where we are now, it doesn't seem like that's so much of a reality. Um, it's more of a possibility that his life will be shortened um, because prostate's the number two um, cause of death in men. I think I'm quoting that correctly. In other words, it has a risk now that it's somewhere in his body. Um, it has a risk of spreading and ultimately causing death. To be morbid, but that's what it is. And um, we don't, our parents are gone. We missed out on that in our adulthood, having parents and our children um, don't have grandparents. And the thought that this may be the situation for our children um, has been pretty devastating right now. Yeah. So, Rob, <clears throat> we just looked at a, a couple of verses that talk about how in these light afflictions, God is working a far greater weight of glory. Um, God was doing something in your heart through this whole process. The affliction, the storm, is a tool. Talk about what that is that God has been doing in your heart, where you were before the diagnosis and what the process has been in your heart. Not your body, but your heart. Yeah, so, um, you know, I talked about the cardinal banging up against the glass. What God quickly revealed to me after um, the diagnosis, he said, yeah, you've got cancer, but 
but you also have heart disease. Your, your heart is hard, and, and you're, it's calloused towards me. It's calloused towards other people. Um, your eyes are blind. You, you, you're a navel-gazer. You just worry about yourself. You don't see the needs of other people. Your ears are deaf to the needs of other people. Um, and I, I'm a cave dweller mentally that um, I, re I retreat and hide away inside my own head. Um, and so I know what God was doing through not clearing this automatically was that he's saying, you know, for things to be resurrected, like Brian had talked about, things have to be dead first. And so he, he's using this to, to, to get that callus off my heart and to, to open up my eyes and to open up my ears. Um, and that's not easy because he wants to do that through me talking with people. <laughs> and I'm not a people person. Um, shocking. Um, hey, just so Rob's not up here by himself on this deal, can anybody relate to what he's talking about? How it's easy to kind of retreat back inside yourself and just pull away there and be a cave dweller. I mean, I love that picture. Can anybody relate? To, okay. See, Rob, you're not alone here in the room this okay. morning. So, well, thank you. Um, and so, um, what he was saying was that we, we need to... He said, I know that your normal way of handling things is to disengage and to hide away. And I would hide in there and I would say, God, I can't do this. And... and and he'd say, I know you can't do it. I, I've seen you not be able to do it. And more importantly, you've seen you not be able to do it. So this cave is not a place of healing. It's, it's, it's look at your track record. Your cave has never, ever helped you at all. So hold my hand, and, and we're going to get up and we're going to walk out of here. Not forcefully, but... As a gentle shepherd, he, he leads me out, and he says, because there's healing outside that cave. There's physical healing. There's mental healing. There are people who love you that can't get to you in the cave because you won't let them in. And... There's a family that needs you to not be disengaged. So get your eyes on me. Get them off of yourself. Nobody came to your pity party, so cancel that. And let's get up and let's go. It wasn't a forceful, wasn't a mean thing. It wasn't. It was just. It was just him saying, "I'm better than this. I'm. You need to be out of here." And. Jumping ahead, I, I don't sit here and say I'm completely, the cave is, has a strong pull. Um, Along the way, God's provided some um, people and experiences to help. It's the Cardinal and, and it's uh, the beach, yeah. but some other very practical things too yeah. to help talk about some of those. Yeah. Um, the Cardinal, in a, in a nutshell, we see Cardinals now everywhere. Everywhere. And um, he speaks, it's it just him saying, um, let me back up just quickly, quickly. So 
we had a, um, a foster child one time, and I, the first night he spent with us, it was in the, in the room, and the lights were out, and I was leaning on the floor next to him, and he just kind of called out, and like, hey, because he didn't know who I was. And I'm like, Roland, it, I'm here. It, it's okay. And he just went right to sleep. So the darkness didn't change, but the fact that I was in the room with him was comforting. And so that's what the cardinal is to us, is God just saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Um, the other day we walked out, there was this huge storm cloud, and on a wire there was a cardinal sitting there. So now we see him. We still see the storm behind him, but we, we see him first. So on the way out of the cave, God brought some beautiful people um, that threw me a testosterone party. And it's as bizarre as you would imagine it would be. <laughs> and Maybe you should clarify so we I don't will. go with as I bizarre will. as we imagine. Like yeah. So <laughs> Kyle and, and uh, Marv and Matt and Chris, they said, just come over. We're going to shoot guns. We're going to cook meat. <laughs> We're going to throw darts. We're going to shoot pool. And... I don't do any of that. <laughs> and so I get over there, and, and I'm like, well, are we going to a gun range? They said, no, we're just going to Chris's backyard. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's fine. And um, they're cooking meat. I was like, well, do we have forks? No, just put it on a paper plate. So I'm sitting there with meat that's burning a hole through the paper plate <laughs> and oozing onto my thighs. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> This is awesome. I, I, I bonded so well with those guys, and um, that's God. It, it wasn't, it's just God moving through and through our lift group. Um, he continually um, lifts us up and, and speaks to us, and it's just, it's just him showing himself all over the place and, and us being more aware um, Caleb sings a song, let us become more aware of his presence. And being aware of his presence um, is strengthening, it's comforting, it's uh, a shoulder to cry on, it's a, a place where we can um, just crack open our heart and say, you know, help. Yeah. yeah. So as Joyce pointed out, um, you get the message from the doctor just a couple of weeks ago. This brings us all the way current to today. The diagnosis for you, what is this? Uh, what does this do in your heart? What, what's going through your mind? How are you processing this? Yeah, so the, the latest result, other than the shock of going from zero when I bought cookies for everybody, and then the next day it's like, no, it's not zero. It, it was more just kind of a, well, huh. I, it didn't take me back to where I was. It didn't take me back to a place of fear and just just I'm like well okay so I know you're here um, I see you all the time um, my my wife and, and Alyssa I didn't tell you this up front but they for my 39 radiation treatments they, they took 39 promises out of the Bible and each night we read one and now there's a framed of all those little slips of paper with 39 promises on it. I see that every day. And he keeps his promises. And so, yeah, yeah it's just in, I, I don't understand it. 
Um, I don't know what it means, but we're, it's uncertain. Yeah. Um, and so that we just wait. We wait for three months. They draw more blood. If that's elevated, we wait three months, and they, they're looking for trends. So we may not we may not know for another nine months. So, yeah. but he's in the waiting. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And as we talked about on our own, uh, you are learning to rest in some certainties in the midst of uncertainty. That's an awkward place to be in the midst of uncertainty yet holding to some certainties that God has for us in the way of promises. And he's just given you some glimpses this morning into some of the ways that God has been encouraging him with some of these certainties. One of the ones that, um, that came to him was from uh, their 14-year-old, Hannah. And um, she is a songwriter and singer. And so um, I got to see the note that she wrote as she gave a song to her dad, which you're going to get to hear here in just a moment. But I want you to hear the note that she wrote for him first. To my dad, I just want you to know the Lord always has a purpose for things that happen. We don't always know why but you don't give up. He always has a purpose. Amen? So, I want you to listen to the song. Uh, Hannah has been gracious enough to record it for us, so you're going to hear it, hear the recording, and you can watch the lyrics on screen. Thank you. 
And it's one thing for friends to give you encouragement. It's something else when your daughter does that for you. So they're not through with their storm yet. And uh, we've intentionally, in this series, had a look into the lives of people who are still in the midst of it. This is where the reality of walking with Jesus comes to light. It's great to have had the storms in the past, but there's something else to know someone who's still in the midst of it. And then we as church family come alongside to join them, encourage them, and support them in it, right? So today, we're going to close our service by praying for them, by praying for hope and for peace, for healing, and for the exceedingly greater glory to be seen in this. Amen.